This is The Healthy Sensitive, episode 33. And welcome back to The Healthy Sensitive, a podcast for those introverts and highly sensitive people who want to live their lives to the fullest without getting wiped out in the process, if at all possible. I'm Leah Burkhart, your quirky, nerdy, highly sensitive, introverted hostess. Um, in today's episode, I want to talk a bit about the idea of balance. So in the last episode, I talked about this idea of emotional fitness and what I was trying to get at the heart at of, rather, is how can we develop greater capacity for, you know, engaging in the world, really enjoying all of what it has to offer, but still feeling like we have a fully charged battery or like we can recharge the battery quickly when we need to. Uh, But so this is sort of piggybacking on that idea, but it's a little different. So I've been listening to a lot of, you know, motivational interview, interviews, uh, videos, uh, you know, motivational recordings, really inspiring people who go out there into the world and they, they try, they try and share with others how they were able to be successful. And what I find to be a universal tidbit of advice is something to the effect of, You've got to want success as badly as you would want to breathe if you were drowning. And so you, if that were true, you would be willing to give up time watching television, time on your phone, time spent with friends maybe, you know, because you would be so consumed with making this dream of yours come alive. And I appreciate that message, I really do, because I do think we live, and when I say we, I'm including myself, I do think we're a spoiled generation. And we are used to getting things with relative ease. I mean, I've certainly had my challenging spells in life. I know what it is to to worry about where the next meal is gonna come from. I, I know what it is to fail. I know those experiences, and I've learned a lot of valuable insights from them. So it's not the kind of spoiling where I've never had hardship in my life. But it's nothing like the hardship that I'm sure many people in many parts of the world have experienced. So given that we are kind of a spoiled generation, I think there's value in sending out a message to, well, us youngsters that says, get off your tush, get to work. My only reservation with seconding or uh, encouraging people to follow a message that's that potent maybe that distilled, is that when it comes to how highly sensitive people operate, they have a tendency to take these kinds of things to heart. And I don't know that, I think what can get confused is whoever it is that's sending this message will often imply in some way that it's useful to follow their formula. They never say it explicitly, though. So, you know, you hear about Tony Robbins, for example, who maybe sleeps a few hours a night and just is go, 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 and he's convinced that other people could do the same thing if they needed to and would, if they were willing, end up very successful in whatever they wanted to try and achieve. And I think he's right, but 
and again, I don't, he, I've never heard him say at any point, y'all need to follow my formula, but there's an implied message there because he often talks about what he was willing to sacrifice in order to get where he is. There's a similar thing with Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, although he's adamant about people being self-aware and he's very clear constantly, you do not need to follow my formula, find your own. But there is still a temptation to try and follow his lead because when you hear these people who are getting out there, spreading a message, and you see how they live their life, it's hard not to want to look at how these successful people live and want to emulate it or feel like you should want to emulate it in some way. So on the one hand, you have Wayne Dyer, Tony Robbins, even like Sheryl Sandberg. Uh, you know, you have these folks who are saying, get out there, push through, baby, lean in, honey, get to work. But then you also have a countering message. So you have people like Ariana Huffington getting out there and saying, hey, 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 wait, wait. I have done that. <laughs> I burned myself out so severely that I was hospitalized. Discovered through my self-healing process that sleep is in fact essential. And if you don't get it, you'll be incredibly ineffective. So you do need to back way off. You do need to know where your limitations are. And you do need to honor them. Because when you honor them, you'll reap the benefits and the benefits include more effective work, and so on. Natalie Kagan, same thing. So she is the author, if you will, or the architect of Happier. And she helped, I would say, probably millions of people uh, to create healthy habits that uh, are, like, they facilitate a greater sense of happiness and contentment. But she herself was pushing herself to the limit. She was writing books, and, you know, she's a new mom, and she's going out there and doing speaking events and she's creating an app and she's going through all of this and she got to a place that was well basically a very severe depression even though her life was phenomenal I mean she even says herself objectively all of the markers of success were right at her fingertips but nevertheless she was not happy so you have these mixed messages. On the one hand, go for it, you can do it, and it's worth it. And on the other hand, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't go so fast. Don't go so hard. Breathe for a minute. And so for highly sensitive people, I, I mean, this is true for me at least personally, and I think for many HSPs and introverts, it's even more challenging because it's not just that we're contending with primary mainstream messages that are intended for those who are like themselves. And most of these speakers, at least from what I gather, they don't appear to be HSPs and they don't appear to be introverts. They might be. I, I'm not, I mean, for all I know, Tony Robbins might go home and recharge by himself. No idea. But he looks to me to be one of the most pure forms of an extrovert I've ever seen in my life. Uh, same with Gary Vee. There's this very, like, they seem to get recharged by doing the things they do on a daily basis. So on the one, so you already have the problem of if you're just an everyday average person who's not necessarily sensitive, and I, again, I don't mean this in the sense that they are the lacking in sensitivity. I just mean they don't have a highly sensitive nervous system. Their nervous system is functioning like any mainstream humans. <laughs> um, even those folks already are contending with the mixed messages of go far, go, go faster, go farther. Oh wait, slow down. Be deliberate. Take a breath. And now you add in highly sensitivity or introversion, and it's sort of like, well, 
it's already confusing to try and develop a formula that works for the average person. And now I need to figure out how to cultivate success for myself with an entirely different formula because that formula just doesn't fit me. Or, well, at least we often will land on that conclusion the hard way. We'll try to make it fit us and then it doesn't. So then how do we find this balance? How can we? I mean, here's the thing. When I talk about highly sensitive people, often the assumption is that HSPs are maybe averse to working the long hours. Like maybe we balk at it like, oh, I can't handle it. And that's actually not true. Most highly sensitive people that I know are... They have extremely good work ethics and are willing to work 10, 12 hours a day, six, seven days a week, not a problem. But with highly sensitive people and introverts, what I find is often the case is that they just want to be able to choose when those hours will be. So for example, they might get up at five in the morning, want to get go to yoga, meditate, do whatever they need to do for self-care, then spend a bunch of hours on their work and then take a nap and then get back to work and then uh, spend some time with their family and then get back to work, and then go to bed. So they want to be able to pick and choose when the hours are going to be. And it's just, the world we live in doesn't usually lend itself well to that. Most people want it, whatever it is that they want, yesterday. This, and this is true, at least with corporate America. So this is, I think, why so many highly sensitive people are drawn toward entrepreneurship. That's potentially one answer to the question of, you know, how do we find the balance? How do we create our own formula? Well, I mean, if you have your own industry, your own business, you kind of get to make up your own rules. But here's the downside, a couple of downsides, really. With highly sensitive people, well, this is true for anybody. If you get into entrepreneurship, the upside is you can work from anywhere and you can work at any time. So it's up to you. The downside is you can work from anywhere and you can work all the time. And since highly sensitive people tend to be extremely conscientious, there's a temptation that many of them will take on to just constantly be working, which doesn't work in the long run. You also have this problem that many highly sensitive people, and I don't know to what extent it's also true of introverts, but because both tend to be more uh, introspective, uh, perfectionism can be an issue. So we can make better the enemy of best, and spend all of our time waiting to launch whatever it is we want to launch until it's perfect rather than just when it's done. I think Elizabeth Gilbert wrote at one point, done is always going to be better than perfect. And I don't know where she got that line from. I think from someone else. But HSPs really struggle with that because we're constantly looking at all the details and oh, wait, 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 there's one more thing I need to fix. So we can get lost and get so focused on, well, I need it to be right before I launch because there's so much self-conscious internal criticism happening. So it's sort of like, okay, I'm trying to figure out the balance of when to push and when to hold back. When do I need to work the long hours so I can get the promotion? And when do I need to just accept that maybe that promoted role isn't for me? When do I need to push hard in entrepreneurship? Like when, when do I need to just go full throttle and understand I'm going to lose some sleep. And when do I really need to back off and say, no, 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 I need to draw a boundary here. So one answer to this question is to be really single minded and have like a very clear singular focus. So one example of this is with Gary Keller's book, The One Thing. 
So Gary Keller argues that whatever it is you're trying to achieve, you need to block out everything else. Figure out the one thing that you want to achieve and let that have your 100% attention because that way you will be successful. His argument is that part of our problem in today's time is that we're so tempted by so many things trying to pull at our attention that we can't get anything done because we're too busy spinning 50 plates. So nothing actually gets finished. We're just, forgive my language, half-assing a whole bunch of things. That theory is actually seconded by, well, a number of people, but another way of framing it, and I think I've referenced this before, so James Clear wrote an article called The Four Burners Theory, and I think he found this theory from somewhere else, and I, I, he wasn't able to cite it appropriately, and I don't mean like he didn't try, but I didn't see where he was getting this from. But the concept is this. There are four burners that any one person might have going in their life. One is health, one is friends, one is family, and one is work. And if you want to be even remotely effective at any of them, you can't ever have more than three burning at once. It just can't be done. If you want to be successful, you shouldn't be burning any more than two. And if you want to be an outlier, you can't have anyone burn. You can only have one burning at a time. Now, in this theory, he's not saying tough cookies, you only get to have health or friends or family or work. But rather what he's saying is, you know, there's a number of ways you can go about doing this. Some people try and balance it, like you're doing two here and then the other two there. Or maybe just, I'm going to spend the next five years really focusing on my work. And then after that, I'll try and focus on building relationships and so on. Uh, the other answer is to, oh God, what's the word? It's when it's a contract out uh, to delegate. So for example, you might have a high-powered executive who works crazy hours and he or she has children at home, and they hire a nanny and a tutor to help them with their homework. So all of the icky stuff that parents, you know, the, the fluff of parenting that no one really wants to deal with is sort of getting contracted out. And then by the time you, the parent, goes home, you now just get to hang out with your kids and enjoy their company, and they can enjoy your company. So you've sort of contracted out parts of your life that you don't have the bandwidth for. So that is potentially one way to get all of them met is by recruiting support so that all of them gets met in some fashion. There's also, though, a completely different response. You have people like Emily Wapnick who says, no, 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 focusing on a singular item isn't for everyone. Some people are what's called um, multi-potentialites. So a multi-potentialite is someone who uh, doesn't, when you ask the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? might have four or five responses. And examples of this, uh, in terms of successful people, one of the, the best that at least I resonate with is Einstein. So Einstein would worked at the patent office, but he would spend his intellectual bandwidth contemplating the laws of the universe. And he had the bandwidth for that because his day job was, you know, very low-key, didn't require a lot of him and he loved playing the violin. So she claims that this person then is a multi-potentialite because he has multiple interests and he's somehow allowing for, and each one of them helps fuel him and probably helped in some measure for you know him to develop a theory of relativity. And so she makes the case that there are plenty of lawyers who are also musicians. 
um, plenty of accountants who might also be actors. And, at least based on what I'm reading, it seems like highly sensitive people might be prone to this. They might have the thing they do that for their income and then the thing they love and they do on the side. So, um, WTF. <laughs> like, if what we're trying to achieve here is balance in knowing, okay, number one, what should I focus on? Should I focus on just one thing or should I balance out multiple? Should I be working on work-life balance or work-life integration? What's the best way to proceed? The next question is, okay, well, am I someone who needs to focus on just one thing at a time, multiple at once, or, you know, where do I fall in that spectrum? Maybe I'm somewhere in between. Who knows? I don't know if I have the answer to this, but it seems like, and again, this is getting back to the last episode when talking about emotional fitness. It seems like some of those themes might speak to this conversation because it is true. Sometimes there's value in pushing beyond what we incorrectly perceive to be our limitations. And it is very similar to how we can view fitness. You know, it's very easy sometimes for us to get complacent and think, what, I'm working out every day, what do you want from me? And we have this assumption that no, 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 I couldn't run a mile, are you kidding? And then finally someone pushes us and says, listen, I just want you to try. I'm gonna have you run around, it's a quarter mile loop, do four of them. If you absolutely feel like you're gonna die, you can stop, but just try one time. And then, surprise, surprise, after months of going to the gym, we do try and run the mile and discover that we can run a mile and a quarter or a mile and a half or maybe even two. And we go, oh, like <laughs> I didn't realize I was capable of doing that. So there's value in, in pushing the boundaries of what we think we're capable of because in actuality, we probably are capable of a lot more than we assume. Andy Mort, uh, who he has a podcast, the Gentle Rebel podcast, he blends together concepts of stoicism uh, to help with stoicism with, you know, like what it, with high sensitivity. And, you know, he talks about these converse, these topics together and does a beautiful job of it. So if you're interested, definitely recommend his podcast. And uh, let's see, I'm just checking out here. Which episode was it? That I think it was 184. Yeah. So he brings in this idea that, you know, we're often told we should get outside of our comfort zone. This is something that comes up all the time with motivational speakers. Hey, if you want to be really successful in your life, you got to get out of your comfort zone. And Andy Mort really challenges this idea, especially for HSPs, because, I mean, he would never say this, but on some level, well, F you. <laughs> I like my comfort zone, thank you very much. It's a very nice space. It recharges me to be in my comfort zone. It makes me feel more alive to be in a quiet space where I can have that ability to reflect and digest all of my experiences of the day. And so while other people might be saying, no pain, no gain, his mantra is more like, no rest, no best. We have to rest. And that's actually following suit with people like Ariana Huffington as well. There are people who are coming out there and saying, yeah, you can push hard, but you can't push hard forever there is a finite amount that your body is capable of enduring. You do have to honor it on some level if your goal is to become your best self. So then what would it look like to push yourself but not necessarily get outside of your comfort zone? 
The answer he gives is to instead look at it as increasing capacity. So that actually speaks again to what we talked about in last week. So how does one increase their capacity? What does that even mean? Well, first you have to kind of get a sense of what are the things in my life that I'm already good at and that I do pretty fluidly, I do pretty well. What are the goals that I have for improvement? Like what are my areas of opportunity? And then from there, it's now sort of breaking it down into, okay, so how do I proceed at a pace that is sort of a pleasant burn? So personally, what I find very helpful, and this is uh, championed by the minimalists as well, I always recommend to people to really take a hard look. What are your values? You know, these super high-achieving people, we're talking, again, your Tony Robbins, your Ariana Huffington, your Gary Vee's, your, these people that are just like wildfire in the world, they are really clear on their values, and it just so happens that they really value their work. And I don't mean work with a lowercase w. I mean their capital W work. Most of the time it's they value service. They value, they, they, it's in their value system. They value hard work. It feeds them and it's in alignment with their values. Personally, uh, for my own values, I would say uh, one is health. I value my relationships. Um, I, too, value work with a capital W, you know, like you're the, the thing that you're going out and serving others with. Uh, I value personal growth. And I think top of the list would definitely be I value integrity. Living in alignment with who you are, living in alignment with your values, uh, living honestly or at least as honestly as you can. I mean, we're human beings, so sometimes we're really good at lying to ourselves. And we can only be as honest with other with other people as we are with ourselves, so... But at every moment, I really value the ability for myself and when I see it in others to live in alignment with who we are, or live honestly. So given that those are my values, if I went out there and decided, okay, I'm going to try and Tony Robbins the crap out of this, I'm going to get two or three hours of sleep and I'm going to go full throttle to the nines, even knowing that my system doesn't respond well to that. I mean, it can do it for a little bit. I did it for a number of years when I was working full-time and going to grad school. It can be done, but I paid a serious price for that. I, For a couple of years afterward, I was suffering from what started as severe and what gradually became less and less, like burnout, depression. I mean, my system, I got slammed because I did that to my system for so long. And that goes directly against my value of health. I mean, how can I go out there, and it obviously would go against my value of integrity, because how can I go out there into the world and make a claim that I'm a health coach and a life coach, and my aim is to help other people live healthy lives, while personally corrupting, corroding my own health? I can't do that. Also, for me to be able to have the kind of relationships with the people I love that I do have, those relationships need investments. I'm unwilling to just, you know, send a quick text and let that be that. I mean, I, I want to call them. I want to talk to my people. I want to love them. I want them to know that I care about them. And that's not something that I can do unless I invest in them intentionally. So what can happen with, I think, many of us is our values might conflict at certain points. And that's fine. It's challenging, but we can get through it. But at the very least, you've got to be really clear on what your values are. Because I can testify to the fact that when I'm living in alignment with my personal values, everything is 
simple. It's not always easy. Like it does require effort, tremendous effort in some cases for me to keep living that way. But it's simple and it's a no-brainer. It's obvious because it feels so damn good to do it. When I'm taking care of my health, it's not just physically rewarding. I feel like I, yeah, I mean, look at you practicing your preachings, living with integrity. You know, when I reach out to my family and I'm having a really rich conversation with them, I'm thinking, yeah, this is amazing. I'm so lucky to have this human being in my life. And when I'm working, I mean, right now it's a Sunday, it's nine o'clock at night and I'm doing a podcast. And I mean, this is my, this is my fun, this is my baby. I mean, this is where I get to have fun and play and talk about what I'm passionate about. And, you know, in terms of personal growth, I'm constantly looking for ways to challenge my own point of view, to, to grow, to learn. You know, so when I'm engaging in this way in the world, I feel amazing. Even if I'm exhausted, it's like, you know, I can get through it because I'm, I'm living a meaningful life. So once you have a sense of what your values are, and in my case, I was able to come up with five, maybe you come up with three, maybe you come up with ten. I mean, I wouldn't personally recommend having ten. I think that would be... Uh, exhausting. <laughs> but hey, whatever floats your boat. I think the next step is to start building a routine that helps you build capacity. So I talked about this last week. For me, the kinds of things that help me maintain capacity and even build on it include yoga therapy. So I work with a practitioner. It was he's I met him through sort of a friend of a friend and I was desperate and I'm looking around. I was trying anything from drinking eye of newt and you know whether it was chinese herbs or going to acupuncture at one point i even tried an acu or not acupuncture um oh what is that called chiropractor I, I had insomnia and anxiety and someone said if my spine was aligned correctly maybe my chi would be in, in alignment and i would sleep better and i'm like whatever sure why not um so but then i stumbled across this man his name is Marcel and the two of us worked together and he was able to gradually help me move through a process and develop a practice and a ritual around, okay, how do I build capacity? And the combination of being heard combined with the collaboration of developing practices were just life-changing for me. Uh, so yeah, yoga therapy, meditation, exercise. I mean, I am a perpetual motion machine and when I'm in movement, that's when I have my clear thoughts. That's when I feel like I'm creative, I'm fluid, I can, I, I, I'm more forgiving. I mean, when I'm moving around, it's like all of the gunk in my psyche gets moved around too. Uh, and finally, nutrition. I mean, I, I'm a nutrition gal, I'm a foodie. So nutrition has been profound in helping me maintain capacity, you know, being really good about keeping my meals really balanced, uh, you know, going out there making sure that my meals are prepped for the week, eating real food, uh, planning, all of that. So when I eat wholesome food, I feel nourished. And the more nourished I feel, the more capable I am of nourishing others, literally and metaphorically. So the next level, once you have whatever systems you want to have in place, uh, you know, I think Natalie calls these uh, daily anchors. You know, having these in place is sort of like charging your smartphone at the same time every day. You know, it might charge all the way, it might not, but if you have a habit of always charging your phone at whatever time of day, you're more likely to have a fully charged cell phone all throughout the day. Same concept here. You want to start building into your routine these non-negotiable daily anchors that help fuel you and get you through each day. Um, from there, 
it's taking a look at, okay, so because when you're engaging in those practices, a metaphor I like to use is it's sort of like your windshield wipers are turned on. It helps you see more clearly. Once you see more clearly, the first thing you want to start taking a look at is, what am I already doing well? What's going right in my life? So often we make, we look around and we want to look at what needs work. And there's value in that, especially if you're trying to push yourself to grow in your business, in your life, in your relationships. There's honor and, and nobility in doing that. But first, take a look at what's already going well. Because counterintuitively, by looking at what's already going well, we have a tendency to expand on that. And that can start to sort of like when you drop a droplet in a pond. It ripples outward and expands. And, you know, exercises you can do in this arena include gratitude journaling, um, you know, taking some time to write about a thing that went well that day, and also just taking some time to think about what are your assets? What are things you already find to be your strengths? Then, and only then, do you then take a look at, okay, well, what are, what are my areas of opportunity? What do I need to work on. So for highly sensitive people, what I find to be most common is, you know, I really want to sort of be able to get out there more often and network more frequently. I want to be able to enjoy the company of my friends and do the things that they like to do. And I want to do it with them. I want to build my business and I want to, I, I want to have more confidence to get out there and try and meet potential new clients. I want to make these dreams come true, but I'm terrified that if I put this in motion, I'm going to exhaust myself. And most highly sensitive people I know have had burnout occur in their lives at least once. They know what it feels like. And once you have that experience, it's once you have that experience, and in particular, if you find a way to get yourself back, I at least have a tendency to be extremely protective of my sanity after that because I now know what it is to feel wholly like myself and I know what it is to feel like Smeagol, <laughs> like, you know, this obsessed, you know, my precious, and in this case, it's more like my precious time <laughs> or something. So look, what are the things that you want to try and cultivate? And they can be big picture. I want to build a business and I want to have 10 clients, 50 clients, whatever. I want to make, I want to write a book. I want to get more followers on my Facebook so that I can, I don't know, whatever it is that you want to get done. Your big ticket item, what is it? And then now really think about what would give me the indication that in three months from now, I'm, I'm succeeding, I'm getting there. Again, this should sound familiar, talked about this last week. And then from there, okay, so now really look at in this next week, what can I put in place that would move me, like tangible things? What's a specific goal I can set? You know, how do I monitor my progress on that? Um, how can I arrange my environment to be supportive of it? Who do I need to communicate to, to let them know that I'm trying to make these changes, I'm trying to engage in this new experiment, if you will? Um, you know, how do I get this going and let people know, hey, I'm trying to push myself a little outside of what I'm used to. I'm going to need a little help. And then finally, what are some rewards you can put in place for yourself so that when you complete the experiment, successful or not, you get that gratification? That's something that Charles Duhigg talks about with the power of habits all the time. 
if you're trying to create a new habit, if you're trying to grow, you have to have built-in reward systems. So when you're doing this experiment though, so you do need to treat it like an experiment. This is what highly sensitive people often mistakenly will do. They're trying to push themselves a little bit. They network more often, they go out there, they do the thing, but they get caught up in the outcome. You can't get caught up in the outcome. That's going to, it's going to stunt your growth because you'll be too busy knocking yourself down to ever be able to grow up. So observe what happens with neutrality. So if I decide I want to go out networking, and I did try this once, and it didn't go super well. I mean, it wasn't bad. I didn't, it's not like people walked away disgruntled with my presence or anything. But I went, I talked to a few people, and I just thought, no, this is not really my thing. Um, I've tried to set up meetup groups, and you know, it's not, this shouldn't be a surprise. Uh, highly sensitive people don't necessarily want to go to meetup, or they want to want to go to meetup groups, but they by the time the day actually comes, they don't necessarily show up and I can't judge them. I'm one of them. <laughs> so it's like, oh, my people, I totally understand. So it's like I just keep experimenting. Okay, so maybe I try putting out podcasts regularly. Maybe I try blogging regularly. Maybe I put together online courses. Uh, maybe I do, um, you know, over-the-phone coaching. These are the kinds of things that I'm, but it's a constant perpetual experiment and I'm still trying to fine tune it and figure out just how to do it just right. So watch what happens. Observe like someone who isn't attached to the outcome. Observe like you're observing your friend. Try something new. And finally, to the best of your ability, try and let go of the outcome. That one is probably the hardest one because we all have a tendency, sensitive or not, to be really attached to the outcome. That's not gonna be helpful either. The more removed you are from the outcome, and it's, if the more connected you are with the process, and the more removed you are from the outcome, the more likely you will be successful. And the more likely, that you, the more likely it is that you'll enjoy yourself all, all along the way. Because if you're process oriented, you can't fail. If everything you do in your life to try and grow and push beyond your perceived boundaries, is perceived as nothing more than an experiment, then it will always be successful. You will either have a hypothesis that you prove correct, i.e., I'm gonna try this experiment uh, to create a meetup group, and my hypothesis is that it will go well and at least 15 people will attend. And then I try the thing, and it turns out zero people attend. It was a very successful experiment. I mean, I showed up and no one else did. I successfully determined that meetup groups might not be the way to go. <laughs> Um, and it's, uh, it's sort of, I think it was Edison who talked about, you know, when trying to create a light bulb and someone, he, it was discovered that he had tried to make, uh, you know, a thousand, he had a thousand versions that didn't work before he found the one that did. And they said, my God, the level of resilience and endurance that would take, you know, how did you persevere despite all of these failures? And he laughed and he said, I didn't fail. I found out, you know, I, all of them were successes. I found 999 different ways how not to make a light bulb. It was all a success. <laughs> That's the kind of attitude to have when you're trying to push beyond what you think are your current boundaries. You want to play with it. You don't want to, you know, you can't take it so seriously. And that's something that I think is lost on highly sensitive people. We, we have a tendency to get so uh, tunnel visioned into what we imagine we should be doing, and at least me personally, I can't speak for all highly sensitive people, but the way I've heard other HSBs talk 
it's very easy to get lost in our own thoughts, so much so that we start to criticize ourselves and we can take ourselves very seriously. And that hasn't been super effective for me and I don't think it's been very effective uh, for anyone else that I know. So, and finally what I would say is the importance of bookending. So anytime you're trying a, a new experiment in your life, and this is really true for anybody, but introverts and HSPs in particular, bookend your experiment front and back with very effective strategies of recharging. So if you, for example, in my case, I was going to go to a bridal shower, uh, sorry, bachelorette party, and it was going to be at Disneyland. I like Disney. Disney's awesome. But Disneyland's an extremely stimulating place to be in. It takes a lot of energy for me to be there. I love it. It's amazing. I mean, it's Disneyland. I totally get it. But also, oh my god, we would have to fly there. It would be with a group of people. And so when I took the time off to do this thing for this person in my life that I love, I bookended it at least one or two days before, one or two days after, with days off that were just for me so that I would know it's okay, no matter what happens, no matter how exhausted I am afterward, I will have at least a couple of days to recover. No problem. That worked out great. And also, you know, setting up the parameters of your experiment so that there's opportunities to recharge even in the midst of your experiment. So in my case, I knew that for at least one day, I would just solid have to be pushing through. Yeah, true. But I also figured out, okay, but if I have my own hotel room, at the very least, in that case, I'm, I'm going to be able to get some rest. And even if I don't sleep well, because I'll be all wound up, not a big deal. At least I have my own space. So I didn't share the space with the rest of the girls. Not because I don't love them, but because I just know myself well enough to know that I recharge in solitude. And so it's like you build these systems. In other words, it's all about self-awareness, which... One thing I do appreciate about Gary Vee, I will say, he he's absolutely insane, but he says over and over, you've got to have self-awareness. You've got to understand yourself, your needs, your wants. You've got to be clear. You know, not everyone, if it's his words, not everyone is an A player. Some people are B players. Be okay with the fact that you're a B player if that's who you are. If you're the person who wants to be able to have your weekends to yourself, if you're the person who wants to be able to spend more time with your family, or maybe you want to be able to Netflix binge every once in a while, damn it, you've earned your right to it. Fine. Not a big deal. Just understand that what that means of you is that you are a B player. And not in a derogatory way, but in the sense that you don't, you're not the kind of person who needs to be leading the charge on things. You want to set your own pace. You're just in it to enjoy. So maybe a good analogy for this would be if you're running a marathon some people are the ones who are like I'm gonna win and plenty of other people are just like meh if I finish the marathon I'm awesome <laughs> so you know what is your temperament you don't have to be a quote a player make sure that whatever it is that you're trying to expand on build out yes growth is I would say essential for a well-lived life if you're not growing you know, if you're not busy growing, maybe you should get busy dying. You know, it's that kind of concept. I do think that's important. But no one else in your life should set the pace for how that looks. Only you set the pace for that. So when imagining how you want to push the boundaries of your capacity, because I can promise you, whatever boundaries you think there are, whatever limitations you have, I promise you, you can push beyond them. 
You just need to do it in a way that feels right to you and is in alignment with who you want to be and you know, who you are now and who you want to be. And that gets back to that whole me valuing integrity thing. And I will say, you know, this is my line of work. So if you are someone who you're just, you want to like expand, you want to get healthier, maybe you want to lose weight. Uh, maybe you're ultimately trying to get out of a really crappy job. You know, maybe you want to cultivate better relationships. You know, you name it. You Maybe you want to make more money in your life or you want to figure out how to spend less. Whatever it is, I'm more than happy to help you. I do coaching. So please reach out. Go to www.thehealthysensitive.com and don't hesitate to reach out to me. If you have some questions, you know, I'm not going to charge you for that. Um, and I do uh, complimentary introduction sessions. So if you're curious about what it looks like to be coached, please don't hesitate to reach out. This is my passion. This is my love. So that's all I'll say about that. Uh, yeah, and I'd also just love to hear from you. What are some examples of ways that you have successfully pushed beyond what you thought was a limitation? You know, was there something, that, when was an example of your life where you, you surprised yourself? And how did you go about achieving that surprising accomplishment? <laughs> love to hear from you. And yeah, um, so I'll be checking in with you next week. And in the meantime, once again, www.thehealthysensitive.com. You can see blog posts. Uh, I always put up this week's podcast as well. Uh, and I hope you have a fabulous week in the meantime. Take good care.